call from the lighthouse. Mysterious powers that pull you closer to the forgotten sea. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with the fantastic creator Basil about their two upcoming projects, Pelogos and the Afro Odyssey. Take to the Mare Sea as a lantern keeper or an echo as you unravel those that remain there. Or explore Homer's Odyssey through an Ebonics translation right here with Basil and I. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am incredibly excited to be welcoming you all to the first episode of 2023, recorded at the very tail end of 2022 with the wonderful Basil. Basil, thank you so much for joining me this week on the episode. I am super excited to have you here. I'm super excited to be here, Zach, and talk about everything and just hang out with you for a bit. (laughs) You've got... A lot going on and some really cool stuff that's really unique and just super interesting. We've been in the talks, I think, since late November about trying to get you on, but I've been busy and sick and now I'm better. So (laughs) I'm excited to be bringing you on to talk about both your really cool game that's going up live on Crowdfunder in about a month from the release of this episode, as well as a very cool book that series of books, poems, epics that you are working on in your spare time. Yes, uh, the Ephrodicy. The Ephrodicy that I have been working on technically since I started grad school, perhaps. So oh, wow. since, yeah, since 2013. It's been... Oh my. Yes. Okay, it's, it's a big one. So, yes. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about that a little bit before we really dive into Pelogos and the Ephrodicy. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I've sort of been leaning into this more as like, just like a quick blurb about myself where, you know, (laughs) there's always that joke where it's like, hey, it's me, I'm gay. But yeah, no, it's like, hey, I'm Basil. I'm super queer. (laughs) I punch Nazis. I punched so many Nazis in middle school. If for some horrible reason, any of those people from my middle school happen to be listening to this who were former Nazis, I see you again. I will punch you again unless you've changed. Never doubt that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am also uh, as black as the day is long, (laughs) neurodivergent. Um, You know, all of my friends are always so shy about whether or not they think they're funny. I know I'm funny. And as I always say, I don't have unfunny friends. So all of my friends by default are funny. I'm also a Leo. I never shut up about that, which is probably just (laughs) a super Leo trait. And I have a sibling who I also never shut up about. I was joking about it with Zer recently, actually, about how uh, (laughs) when you're supposed to talk about yourself, I will spend 90% of the time talking about Zer instead because I love my sibling. I'm I'm the younger sibling, so you can kind of also tell that as well. But I am a game designer, a game writer, and I am a sensitivity consultant. So when I'm not making my own games, I help make other people's games better. Not just games, um, I've done comics, novels, usually novels. I've looked over some people's art just to give them some direction as to, you know, oh, is this hairstyled correctly? You know, is this appropriative? Yeah. Do you have resources about, you know, X, Y, or Z? So 
I kind of just do all sorts of things. Uh, I also do some translation work on the side, not as much now, but I can translate for Latin and ancient Greek. And so, um, actually recently on Twitter, uh, I did a thread to celebrate Hades 2 coming out, and I gave people who left replies Greek epithets. So <laughs> that right. was... That was a lot of fun. They were translated so that people could understand. I didn't want people to have mm -hmm. to go try to find one of the ancient Greek dictionaries that are online and then <laughs> the, the tedium involved. <laughs> but I was really surprised. I had at least two people actually change like, you know, their display names to what I gave them. And I was very tickled by that. That's rad. So yeah. let's talk about that for a second, though, because I didn't realize this before and it clicked once you mentioned it. But you study classical literature, correct? Well, technically speaking, classics is classical civilizations. Oh, like some okay. People, yeah, that's that's the weird thing about classics. Like, you tell someone, oh, I majored in classics. They're like, oh, cool. So, like, Shakespeare or, you know. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Mary Shelley? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the, old, the old dead dudes in Italy. Like, those in, in, in Greece. <laughs> those, those classics. But yes, um, both my bachelor's and my master's is in classical civilizations, and my specialization is Athenian vase pottery. Uh, specifically, I enjoy talking about black figure vase painting and the iconography within, and specifically the psychology of the other, which is, um, I will say, I don't mention this that often, but that phrasing actually came from my aunt when I was talking to her about my life goals years and years ago. Okay. And it really stuck with me as a way to sort of describe it, how ancient Greeks treated, uh, you know, foreigners, women, people of color. Mm -hmm. um, and so analyzing, uh, you know, ancient Greek uh, material culture from that perspective has really been illuminating. And I really wanted, I really wanted to dig into it more in my uh, master's paper. But mm. the professor that I wanted to work with was, uh, she was either on sabbatical or pregnancy leave. I can't remember because mm. she was in the office, but she just wasn't available, which was a shame. So instead, I ended up writing about Circe and liminal spaces, which, you know, it's like when people are at the gas station late at night and it kind of feels like you're there, but not there. That's what a yeah. liminal space is. Or when mm. you're waiting at the airport. So talking about how, you know, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks saw the West as like where everyone goes to die and it's super spooky and how Circe lives out there on the island and turning men into pigs. And I actually do have that section translated on my website as a snippet from the Aphrodisi. Um, I actually did that for uh, National uh, Translators Month, which takes place every September. And so in 2021, they wanted to uh, highlight translators of color specifically. So okay. I took the time and translated that out. And it was actually... Um, Probably like the most fun I have when I'm working on the Aphrodisi is after I'm done translating it from ancient Greek into <laughs> American English because then I can just it's a, it's so much faster to translate it obviously mm -hmm. just from one form of English to another and yeah it's just it's just a lot of fun that way. <laughs> what got you into classics though? Okay, so this is a funny story. So, you know, there's always there's always that meme about neurodivergent kids, especially autistic kids, which I'm yeah. autistic, where okay. it's like, okay, well, what was your special interest as a kid? You know, were you into dinosaurs? Were you into, you know, Egypt? Were you into the Vikings? Were you, you know, <laughs> kid kid Basil was into both Egypt, the Vikings, and ancient Greece and Rome. 
Okay. And from a very <laughs> early age, I was also into archaeology. Originally, mm. my master's focused on classical archaeology, but capitalism is horrible. And the costs yep. of traveling to Greece when I was in grad school, especially while Greece was going through that recession and having some money issues. And at the time, mm. at the college I went to, all the professors mostly focused on Roman works, which is not my focus and yeah. I guess this is a little bit of like classics tea, but <laughs> there is, I don't know if it's still there and I really hope it's not. Current classics people, y'all need to be changing this, but there's this weird prevailing thought that like, if you're still into ancient Greece, you haven't matured yet as a classics person, as an academic. i that. It's very bizarre. It happened to me at our usual like annual conference where I was talking to this visiting lecturer and she was talking about how she was working on these mosaics in the bathhouses of Rome. And I said, oh, that's not my focus. And I told her mine. And she was like, oh, well, you'll see when you mature a little bit. And, you know, I almost I almost said out loud to her face, like, yo, what the fuck? But I was like, well, all my professors are here. That's probably not a good look <laughs> yeah. because I already caused like you know, like a mild stir just talking about indigenous rights at the dinner last night. I was like, let me oh, just, no. yeah, <laughs> let me, let me settle down. <laughs> it's just, I'm going to say too, as a person with some, with indigenous heritage, that was not an, oh no to why did you talk about indigenous rights? So, <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, no. I totally, I totally got the vibe that you were putting out with that. Yeah. yeah so it's just, uh, the costs were too high. And yes, they had a scholarship, but it was very small. Yeah. And besides, I heard horror stories from the people who went to Rome and came back. One of the professors just like, she was very strict, like while she was here in the States. And then when mm. she got overseas, they said she just got even stricter. And I was like, yeah, see, I'm not going to be digging in the in the dirt, in the sun, and then have someone try to, you know, like, turn this into some kind of, like, chain gang situation where it's like, you know, like that scene in Holes, like, what are we digging for? I was just thinking Holes. <laughs> I was literally just thinking Holes. <laughs> My mom would constantly make jokes about that. She's like, yeah, you want to be an archaeologist? You're digging for character. I have, I have so many from undergrad. I have so many hot gossip stories of, like, black market people coming out to like dig sites to try to bribe like my professors yeah. professors getting temporarily or permanently banned from parts of like africa or like greece or whatever for refusing to play ball with officials at the time it's just it's just wild yeah that's wow <laughs> that's a lot well that's super exciting and that kind of leads us into a game that has some ties to that background and that intro that interest you created a very cool game called Pelogos. Did I say it right this time? Yes, Pelogos. Hell yeah. First time in this one. Okay, <laughs> cool. So can you tell us a little bit about Pelogos? Yes. So um, so the thing with Pelogos is it's it ended up being a lot of things. This was, um, <laughs> well, because it wasn't a game I set out to make at first. The really? original, yeah, the original version of the game was actually called something like Rise from Your Grave. Oh. Where it was going to be more of a solo thing of, or like a two-player thing, where one person was like a necromancer and the other person was like the deceased person who they were trying mm -hmm. to resurrect and you could only communicate through like usual supernatural stuff like the wind stirring or like ectoplasm left and strange yeah. markings stuff like that 
-hmm. because originally I started working on Pologos and I guess sort of like a content warning for like, you know, death and grief and all that. Mm -hmm. But Pologos was a direct response to my mother passing away at the end of March of, well, by the time people are hearing this, it'll be 2023, but it was 2022, which that was a, that was a rough period because the week before that I lost my job. So right after I was, oh man, like on the at the time, yes, it was very sad. But looking back on it now that I have a new job back with my boss who respects me and treats me like a human being, uh, I'm just like fuck that job. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will not name names, and I know they don't listen to this podcast. Though when the episode comes out, I'm definitely going to share it with some old coworkers who were rad to me at the time. Hell and yeah. to those coworkers, you know what job I'm talking about. And I still hate my old boss. Truly, <laughs> truly, a worse person. I have yet to meet, and I hope not to meet someone worse than that boss. Just, mm. So, yeah, lost my job, and then a week later, my mom passed away. And um, on the one hand, being unemployed meant I could immediately go with my sibling to take care of final affairs, and that was a lot of drama, mostly from my mom's apartment complex. Uh, Fun fact, they tried to steal her car. (laughs) They try, yeah. They tried to claim it was their property because it was parked in their lot. Yeah, it's 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 outside my apartment. That's my car now. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, that's nonsense. <laughs> yeah, there was. It was. Yeah, that entire apartment complex could honestly. That woman, I truly, truly wish a pelican would shit on her head. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just, I ugh, that woman, horrible. But after we got home, so probably, well, after we got home, outside of resting and eating a lot of Chinese food to try to cope and looking mm-hmm. for a new job, which shout out to other coworker who might listen to this later. Thank you for hooking me up with that job so I could go back to my old job with my old boss. I started, I don't even know why. I was just like, I need something to process this grief. And I knew from, you know, past events when family members would pass away, journaling is not for me. I would just get all sad and maudlin and just sort of Mm -hmm. don't go anywhere. And then I was like, well, I guess let me try to make a game out of this, which seems weird, but we'll just see how it goes. And Mm -hmm. so Pologos kind of, it combines me trying to process the grief of losing my mother and my issues surrounding her family members on her side of the family, my dad's side of the family, my dad. <laughs> but, God, there could be a separate podcast about me talking about my father. But, <laughs> I love him, but no. Um, also, it was um, sort of just an attempt to just deal with my thoughts about the afterlife. And then, as I was, um, as it moved away from that whole necromancer ideal, Um, I started thinking about how, you know, grief is such a heavy thing and it weighs you down like when you are in the ocean and you don't know how to swim. And I was just reminded of all those times. So many times I have nearly drowned in bodies of water due to various negligence. Like a story that I usually tell my friends when I'm complaining about adults being terrible is how I was put off from swimming pools for a while because I used to take swimming classes as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I got dropped from the uh, diving board, you know, as, as they're supposed to do is like, you know, the lesson to teach kids to jump off the diving board and swim yeah. and yada yada. But it was just that was very traumatic. And it's it stuck <laughs> with me 
and I still kind of know how to swim, but I've had like separate situations. Because part of the problem is I love swimming. I've taken aqua zumba classes. I love them. I recommend aqua zumba to pretty much anyone. But with my physical disability, sometimes that means my legs will randomly cramp up, even if I'm having a good day. And when you combine that with the fact that I'm black and that people just kind of generally are racist, to be honest, that means that when I say, hey, help me, I'm drowning, they go, oh, nah, Basil, you're fine. (laughs) So I don't, I wouldn't say I have a, I mean, I have a healthy fear of the ocean, you know, like how people have a healthy fear of tigers. Well, some people don't, you know, some, some people don't learn. I'm not, I'm not that kind of person who's like, oh, let's go pet the tiger or Mm -hmm. my friend who I love dearly. Um, when we were kids, tried to pet a horse that had a muzzle on because the horse was known for biting. And, mm. you know, nothing happened. Thankfully, my friend was obviously fine. And the you know employee said, hey, stay away from that horse. But <laughs> not all of us have that self-preservation trait. <laughs> so Pelagos is sort of me combining death and grief, the afterlife, my sort of fears of the water, of drowning, of sort of that crushing sort of weight, and and trying to process it. Like, one of the things I really try to put in all of my games is the importance of community. And in the case of Pelogos, what I really want to drive home um, as I'm working on it is, you know, like most people, I really love the concept of found family. Like, you know, your family is, it's not just the people you were, you know, related to and born into it's the people you choose to be your family members so you know there's me there's my sibling there's several of my friends who i would definitely call you know close family that i would definitely love to see and hug and everything and then you know there's friends who are still in the friend category but with time could become family and so it's about how together you know, as a community, you can come together and sort of process that grief. But then I also wanted to showcase like what happens when you don't process that grief, like one of the um, denizens you can find in the Mare Sea, which I'm a big fan of puns. So the Mare Sea, um, it's there's a couple layers here. It yep. is supposed to be like it is supposed to be evocative of the French word, you know, Merci. Which is funny, because as much as I love languages, I hate French. I will never learn French. I've gone on the record multiple (laughs) times. I went overseas to France and just, no. (laughs) Couldn't do it. That's fair. Nope. Got on the Eiffel Tower and I was like, all right, that's it for France. (laughs) But it's. I get that. (laughs) Yeah. But um, the other aspect of the Mercy is that um, it's actually a conjugated version of a Latin verb, which, um, if I remember off the top of my head, I believe means to be submerged. And so Mm -hmm. it's also a little bit, um, a little bit of just like, just the straight Latin, you know, uh, Maris, Maris Mare, or is it Mare Mare? Latin is a very strange language, but, um, the Latin word for ocean or sea. And so it's supposed to sort of, you know, uh, have all of those layers together where it's sort of like this sort of gratitude, this ocean, um, to be submerged, like it will be submerged, that sort of thing. Because Mm -hmm. the Mare Sea is the sea of dreams and innovation in this setting. That is where people's inspiration comes from. Uh, most people can't access it. Sometimes it'll show up in people's dreams, like normal people. But then there's people with uh, powers known as lantern keepers who are basically just kind of like, um, it's kind of like if you woke up one day and then realized that you had an ability that other people didn't have 
and then you sort of you know, followed the rumors and talk until you found this island with a lighthouse on it and realized, oh, there's other people like me who can enter this strange dreamlike dimension. So, um, yeah, it's just the the response I've been getting just from people playing the ash can and when I did a playtesting session with just my friends, um, everyone is, I've, I've just been really blown away by the way that people have been like, oh, wow, I love this game. You know, this is great. I want to play more of it. I want to see more of it. It's just, I mean, I'm, you know, always very thankful and appreciative of all the people who have, like, left, you know, who have, like, said to me, this is great, I love it, and, you know, people who download it, people who look at it, people who talk about it, and so, you know, I'm just really thankful that people are, you know, engaging with the work, yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep that balance of it being like, yes, this is a somewhat realistic portrayal of grief and helping people move on because that's what the lantern keepers do. They have clients that come to the island and they want, you know, maybe information about someone who died recently, maybe somebody who died in the past. Um, in the expanded version of the game, there's going to be uh, more adventures called Sea Stories that will um, expand out on the world. There'll be more about the NPCs. Uh, I'm thinking of adding like a solo version called researcher mode where okay. uh, you play as a researcher. And so I need to stat out the NPCs who will be accompanying that person. Uh -huh. And that's more for like, if you just want to walk around in the mare sea and like look at the jellyfish and check out the frames of mind. And you know, it's not, it's not focused on combat too yeah. much though. There will probably be an option for it because I believe I'm setting that during the age where there's just a bunch of sea monsters so um <laughs> yeah my weakness is uh map making and chronology um mm. it's funny i usually get my sibling to look at my maps and without fail z's like this is not connected to anything or where's the door <laughs> and with chronology it's like hey you made a time paradox which i just i just keep doing no matter how hard i try and I'm work. I do fanfic as well. And one of the, the upcoming fic has time travel. And I'm just like, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about those denizens a little bit more because we've touched a little bit on the lantern keepers and what they do. But the predominant, I want to say, figures and enemies are echoes, and they're not just enemies. They're they're a little bit more than that. Do you want to talk a little bit about? echoes what they represent and what they do in the game yeah so one thing i really wanted to stress because um much like you know community actions one of the things i really try to put into my works is you know not everything has to be solved by stabbing it to death like i'm i'm really a fan of like especially undertale where it's like you know the mercy option the non-violent approach like you don't have to go out of your way to be, you know, violent. Yeah. But, you know, I also want to balance that with, like, I don't want it to be difficult for, for you to be nonviolent. Like, mm -hmm. I'm thinking how there's, like, a, a secret or a different ending for Cuphead, where if you don't attack yeah. any of the enemies and go through the stages, you get a different ending. And I remember when I watched that, I was like, that seems like an unnecessary barrier and added difficulty like i <laughs> i get the idea but due to the nature of cuphead and how frenetic it is it didn't quite it didn't quite mesh it's for not the me best translation yeah yeah <laughs> so with echoes you know echoes span various different forms there are echoes that used to be lantern keepers 
who, um, for various reasons, are still in the Mercy. One of the founders of the Lantern Keeper organization, Sammy Heath Glenn, for example, is still in the Mercy so that um, Z can teach uh, new Lantern Keepers, you know, the ins and the outs. And so Z won't be moving on anytime soon. Uh, my friend who was playtesting with me decided to be an Echo during the Maelstrom Age where there were, you know, sea monsters and so to quote that friend uh their character is still there to make sure that the current lan lantern keepers don't fuck it up there are <laughs> <laughs> there are echoes who were there because they don't want to be forgotten or maybe they have been forgotten like they were on the verge of moving on to the beyond but then found out that hey you tore down my statue or something yeah. and so the people, you know, the echoes are lingering for various reasons. Some echoes might still be hanging around because they want to fight people and they're just angry and refuse to move on. I yeah. wanted to really sort of capture the different spectrums of like grief and why we linger there and why you would remain and how grief and sadness and death and loss sort of like you leave these fragments, these literal echoes of yourself behind and how, you know, grief changes you and you're not the same person you were. I'm certainly not after my mother has passed I've like I still feel fundamentally still me my personality is the same my humor mm -hmm. is the same but there's also those like quiet moments where it's like oh I'm sad now and I'm you know more emotionally vulnerable I was just watching a bit from uh well actually you know what I don't want to mention that because that's a that's a late game video game spoiler and that game is uh still kind of new but I was watching a very sad scene in a video game and <laughs> I uh it had a death in it, and I teared up a little bit, and I was like, "Oh, this this might not have been the best time to watch that." Yeah. But <laughs> um, so echoes sort of fill different roles. Not and one of the things I really wanted to stress was not every echo is an enemy. You know, mm -hmm. some some just want to hang out in the Mercy because it's fun. You know, they don't want to move on. They want to explore and see more things. Like to some degree, oh, like I have them. Yeah, I have them characterized differently. You know, there are Tidings and there are the Submerged, but at their core, those two groups are still Echoes. Tidings are Echoes that decided that they want to explore this, you know, dreamlike location, see everything the Mercy has to offer, and hey, why don't you, why don't you come with me? And, you know, to some degree, Tidings are that notion or that idea, like when you're experiencing grief, you just want to distract yourself with anything fun, like... I distracted myself by watching so many episodes of Kitchen Nightmares, just so <laughs> many. <laughs> it just it 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 was just a pleasant distraction from thinking about anything that needed to be done and instead just watching Gordon yell at people about their poorly handled kitchens and everything, you know. But then also wanting to show people what you're going through but in a way that's, you know, they don't intend to be harmful. But, you know, if you let yourself get swept along for too long, you'll forget what you were doing. And, you know, you get lost in your tasks. And so, you know, at, at their core, tidings don't directly harm your player character. But you can find yourself in a different section of the Mercy if you're just like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go with you. Or, you know, maybe you're down there for, you know, several years when you were only supposed to be down there for a few hours. Not because, yeah. you know, time moves differently down there, just because you were just having so much fun, everything slipped away from you. And then, you know, at the other end, you have the submerged who are echoes that have just really decided to lean into 
their yoke there, um, which is one of the skills that echoes have, which is the burdens that they had both in life and in death that are keeping them there, that are weighing them down. It's represented by chains. Um, And one of the things I wanted to stress with yoke is that, you know, you cannot uh, forcibly put your yoke on another person but um i wanted you know i'm hope i'm hoping it comes through in the text that while you know uh someone cannot unwillingly put a yoke on you if you as the player character want to take on another echoes yoke you know whether that's a player character or an npc that is something you can do you can you know share that burden at this time uh mechanically it doesn't do anything that is something i am working on and puzzling over for the full game especially with the feedback I got for the playtest for more options for skills. But um, so the submerged are just full of grief, sadness, anger, longing. Um, One of the things I kind of just sort of pulled out of my cap of imagination while doing the playtest was, you know, occasionally the submerged just release bubbles that sound like people screaming and dying in a shipwreck. Mm. You know, they're able to look at a person and see what their deepest grief is and sort of bring that forward to try to trap you down there with them. Yeah. Um, so uh, I do plan to also include some non-humanoid uh, denizens of the Mare Sea because that that's feedback I've gotten even outside of the playtest and that is the plan right now. Um, based off the playtest, there's going to be, you know, uh, octopi, Octopuses? I think technically it's octopuses, I think it's but octopuses I'm technically, but octopi. Technic- I'm like octopi. Octopi sounds better. It's your game. But <laughs> exactly. Um, and so especially because thanks to Twitter and somebody I am following, every so often I get the weirdest animal stuff on my feed. So lately I've seen stuff about uh, the glass octopus, which is how it got in the game, stuff about whale sharks, glass frogs, and I think just today I saw a video of a, uh, oh gosh, what is it? A giant squid egg. And it was a lot yeah. bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah, I, I've seen that recently. It's massive. Yeah, massive and terrifying. And I'm considering something about crabs because I feel like if you do something with the sea, you know, yeah, you have right. to have, you, you got to have a giant crab. But um, there's also, you know, thinking about how, There are other countries that, you know, because people come from all over to go to the lighthouse to talk to the Lantern Keepers, how that works out, how the world, um, you know, is currently settling after dealing with all of those giant monsters from the previous age, because there used to be more Lantern Keepers, like, you know, they were, I'm, I'm not sure at this moment, but we can easily say like 300 strong, but after, you know, fighting all these sea monsters in the Maelstrom Age, they're yeah. down to about five people. And new recruits keep ex- yeah. keep slipping out at night because they're creeped out by either their powers or the setting or just the nature mm-hmm. of ghosts. <laughs> yeah. So you had mentioned uh, a little bit about not wanting to have everything resolved by punching in the face. But there is a combat of sorts, and it's not always necessarily combat, but do you want to talk about how, and I use the term combat loosely, works in Pelogos. Yeah, so the main core of Pelogos is, you know, you are a paranormal investigator, more or less an underwater paranormal investigator is how I've been phrasing it, 
where you go and uncover mysteries and you can do research in the library to learn more about um, various echoes if they're if they're already known to the lantern keepers. So yeah. when you're in the Mercy and you find the echo you're looking for, you move into what is basically combat, but um, for the most part, uh, right now the Ashcan just has a bare bones sort of thing for combat, but I do plan to expand it out further and make it easier to do sort of like cooperative attacks and sort of follow-up motions and uh, especially really flesh out um, like the move set for people who want to play as an echo because yeah. they were sort of added as an afterthought while I was working on the ash can and I was like actually yeah you know that could be fun and mm-hmm. then it's not quite as integrated especially because a lot of um, echo echo combat doesn't mesh up because you can't use uh your yoke against another echo's yoke so that just leaves you with basically what is um like your your magic beam spell your yatter or your like persuasion skill which is yield um yeah so when you run into an echo as a lantern keeper just assuming your party is all lantern keepers you know the echo depending on the personality um for example, uh, for the tutorial, see story, Sammy, uh, as I've characterized her, Sammy never shuts the fuck up. So Zer's Yatter <laughs> score Zer's Yatter score is very high. I think I have it set to like 8 out of 12 points. So primarily, Sammy will use Zer's Yatter to um, engage in combat with players. So they will just start rattling off random lantern keeper facts or how happy they are to see you. And so basically they're just doing psychic damage by never shutting up. And so (laughs) as a lantern keeper, you can sort of defend against that using your um, divine skill. And so because you have uh, dawn, dive, and divine. Divine is for opposing any sort of yoke action, but you can... um, you can also use it for uh, Yatter or any other uh, Echo attacks. Mm-hmm. And so Dawn is primarily used for healing, but an interesting thing that came out during playtesting is one of my friends, for whatever reason, just kept using the Dawn skill. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was pointed out that, hey, maybe this should have some other effects. And I did add one on the fly, but it's definitely something I'm uh, considering outside of just it being used to heal. Mm-hmm. And so while, say, you know, in a four-person group, maybe three of you are working to beat back the Echo, and then the fourth person is using their dive skill to try to find out information about the Echo, because Echoes have three separate pieces of information. They're uh, yearning, yester, and years. So their years are how long they've been an Echo. Their uh, yester is, you know... Uh, who they are and their yearning is why are they still in the mare sea because every echo has a reason why they're still there yeah and so for free sammy pretty much just tells anyone's there's name so (laughs) really you only have to get two out of the three despite the fact that you know the current lantern keepers keep telling zer to stop doing that because how will the new people learn z just keeps doing it (laughs) they're just z's just too friendly but die hard yeah and so um, one of the things I am excited to do in the full version is explore more the effects of uh, using your dive skill uh, repeatedly, because I do mention it in the Ashcan that there could be effects in, outside of increasing just sort of um, like basically the difficulty, which is denoted by depth, 
but you know if your say if your depth is like plus four versus somebody's depth which is plus one you know what does yeah. the mayor see look like to you what's going on are you can they even still see you are you on a slightly different frequency than them mm -hmm. that sort of thing so once you learn all of those things from an echo um generally speaking uh so far nothing happens it's not like the echo <laughs> it's not like the echo disappears but um for the most part in the other sea stories it sh it's sort of like resolving their lingering regrets and why they're still there yeah and so the echo uh or the uh the navigator the sort of game master of the game can decide whether they want that npc to disappear or maybe they just maybe they just chill out you know they Something stop being happens. so yeah. maybe they stop being so cranky but <laughs> once you get that information you gain experience and when you return to the lighthouse you know you'll tell the client what you found and if you have um 10 points of poise which is pelagos's experience yeah um you go down to the annealer and then you level up and I need to uh, flesh that aspect out as well. And I'm very excited to do so since I have a clear image of what leveling up looks like, which is funny. It's actually, um, I have it more defined for what it looks like for an Echo to level up than I do for Lantern Keepers. You know what, though? That happens, though. I think that's such an important part of design is sometimes you have an idea for one thing and you're really excited to implement it. But then there's another part, there's a flip side that you need to also make sure is implemented for fairness or balance. And I think it's also really important for us to mention to the audience that Pelogos is designed not just as like a one-off game. Like a lot of these games can be played one time. Pelogos is designed to be played over both a short form or a long form play if you really want it to be. Yeah, no, definitely. Like the way I envision Pelogos is sort of being like one of those long campaign sort of things, but it can also just be like a quick pickup game you play with, um, you know, you and two people currently. But um, I do want to add that researcher mode, so you, it could easily just be like you and you, just you going into the Mercy and, you know, yeah. writing in a little journal about what you find down there and how it makes you feel and everything. Mm -hmm. Basil, one thing that I do want to touch on, because you had mentioned this to me right at the start, and that is Crowdfunder and this game being on there. First of all, Crowdfunder, as you mentioned to me earlier and for the audience's sake, is a newer crowdfunding website. And Pologos is going to be going live there for its crowdfunding. Can you talk a little bit about when that's going to be happening and what your experience with Crowdfunder has been like so far? Yeah, so Pelogos will be launching on Crowdfunder starting uh, February 1st and running until, well, through the end of the month, um, mm -hmm. in part because I think that gives me enough time to plan everything out, because this will be my first crowdfunding campaign, and also because February is Black History Month, and Black History Month has always been important to me as a Black and Indigenous person. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and also because uh, Crowdfunder is for January and February doing their tabletop nonstop where they're highlighting uh, people who are part of that event, the projects that they're launching on Crowdfunder and supporting them and everything. Yeah. So I'm really excited to be able to uh, work and launch the full game provided, you know, we get funded. I've already assembled 
a good chunk of the people I'm going to be working with. I'm always mm-hmm. so excited when I get a chance to reach out to other people in the tabletop RPG you know, industry and say, hey, do you want to work with me? And then they actually say yes. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm just, and one of the things I'm also excited about is, um, you know, I have, I've funded several things on like Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Yeah. Uh, I funded, you know, I helped fund one thing on Crowdfunder for a buddy. And so I actually reached out to that buddy asking them if they were cool with me. Um, you putting their game in as a sea story so you know keeping in mind that you know you don't want project creep and you don't want things to bloat but definitely yeah. one of the stretch goals is uh putting in a version of uh oh captain uh i think it's a i don't think it's a song of stories in the sea but for some reason my brain is saying it's that but it's oh captain by uh leon barillo it might be Barrio. I'm sorry, Leon. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, so that is a stretch goal. And I reached out to um, another friend of mine, Alex, uh, who runs Great Glass Sword Games, and uh, asked if I could reference uh, their their game in, uh, in Pelogos. And they also said yes, so that um, is yeah. definitely going to be a fun stretch goal along with researcher mode i haven't exactly figured out the order of events but i feel like probably researcher mode will be one of the earlier stretch goals because it is one of the things i want to do but you know having a chronic illness and being physically disabled i do have to you know measure my time carefully and pace myself and so i'm hoping to with this crowdfunder campaign expand pologos out from its current state which is about eight pages to about maybe 20 to 30. It depends on how much uh, I end up writing, stretch goals, um, how that sort of pans out. I will say that there is there are definitely plans for me to make an expansion book already because I just really want to explore this setting, but I also realize that, you know, it'll turn into a bit of like project scope creep and bloat if I just include this ginormous section in the back that's like the history of the Lantern Keepers and all these NPCs <laughs> and things that aren't directly relevant to the game. And let me just yeah. tell you about all of these characters and the chronology and the ages and yeah, no, but it is definitely on a future planned sort of thing to make an expansion book. And I'm very, very excited for whenever I'll be able to talk and write about that. I am very excited to see Pelogos go live on Crowdfunder and see how people receive that. But you had mentioned large scopes, and I wanted to talk about our other little topic today, too, before we run out of time. Just we'll touch on it briefly. But you are doing a very cool project on the side, and it sounds like you've been doing it for quite some time, the Ephrodisy. What is this, and what can you tell us about it so far? Yeah, so, like I was saying, I've basically worked on the Ephrodisy. Um, Technically, I've been translating the Odyssey partially for class when I was in undergrad, uh, you know, for a professor. Uh, Shout out to you, Professor Krauss. You're awesome. I think he's out in, (laughs) I think he's out in Washington now. I looked him up recently. He's like a some students are doing a radio station or something. I don't know. The whole website is in Latin. It's very cool. <laughs> but um, 
so we started I started there just translating it and then at some point around 2013 both around the time that I actually actively got into Facebook and wasn't just sort of using my siblings Facebook to talk to all of our friends because I was still in that oh I don't use Facebook I blah blah mm. blah whatever yeah. <laughs> but then I started actively using Facebook and now I don't and now I just use Twitter but um I as a joke translated a little bit of the Odyssey into African American vernacular English also known as Ebonics also known as Av I've also heard some people just call it AAVE um mm-hmm. I haven't heard any like I've only heard non-black people say that, so I don't, I'm not sure about the, <laughs> the provenance of, and the, <laughs> uh, the veracity of that, but um, as a joke, because I was explaining to one of my friends about how much of a hater Poseidon was to Odysseus and his entire journey. <laughs> and so I've basically just been working on that on and off as I have free time. I had more free time sort of in grad school because I would... Uh, I also have ADHD, so I would <laughs> I would work on the aphrodisy and then also take notes, and it just it worked out better when I wasn't you know when I wasn't writing fanfic and taking notes because yeah, I also I did you. that. <laughs> but so I really started doing it more in earnest for you know National Translators Month, and mm-hmm. then since then. Um, I started working on it a little bit more because I applied to this uh, translator's mentorship, which fingers crossed, I'm still hoping that maybe I'll get uh, accepted into that. I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head when people are supposed to hear back, but Mm. so getting back into it um, has been, you know, an interesting process. It's been a lot of fun. The thing with the Ephrodisy is that it just, it takes a lot of time because I am translating it straight from the ancient Greek without looking at previous translations. So it's me, my own knowledge, my ancient Greek to English dictionary, and Mm -hmm. then putting it all together and occasionally consulting flashcards from my old textbook. And so having to translate the entire Odyssey, which is just so many books. (laughs) 24. 24 yep. books, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of books. Um, <laughs> has been, has you know, it, it takes a lot of time. Like, just doing, yeah. like, 20 lines can easily take, like, several hours. And I'm certain as I work on it more, I'll maybe get a little bit faster. And the mm-hmm. nice thing about ancient Greek, especially the uh, Odyssey, is when they're talking about people, they tend to use the same phrases. So when I did the section on Circe, you know, she was the gleaming haired goddess with the clear voice, sweet voice, you know, that sort of thing. So as soon as you saw the phrase, you're like, okay, I know who they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I recently translated the, uh, because I asked on Twitter which one people wanted to see. So I recently translated the scene where Odysseus encounters the sirens and yeah. so still still my favorite mm-hmm. line from that is like, ooh, Odysseus, slide into our DMs. Because <laughs> <laughs> like the, the the whole point of the Ephrodisy isn't just to like, you know, it's like, oh, well, some of it is just, well, can I do this and still make this understood? And the answer is yes. You know, it's not all just like, oh, it's fun and that's something I want to do. Um, yeah. You know, it's also because when I started working on it, uh, when I started working on it again, when I took a leadership course at my first ever job in like 2017, that wasn't like a grad school, that wasn't like, you know, graduate assistant job. 
and I uh, presented it to the class. A black woman in the uh, class, one of my classmates, said that she finally understood what the fuss was about with the with the Odyssey and was actually interested in hearing more. And so, mm. what I really want is to make you know. I really want to make classics more accessible to black people because yeah. when I was both in undergrad and grad school and I would talk to other black people about it, they would just go, that's a thing we can study. They let us do that. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, you know, tech legally. Yeah. They let us do that. But <laughs> like, if you know, you know, but <laughs> yeah. what I really, I really want to make, um, you know, in general, like I want to make things accessible for everyone you yeah. know especially but especially this i just it's a giant love letter to the black community like i could go on a separate tangent about universal design because i also have a certificate in museum studies because Ooh. i would like to be a museum curator and so i can easily start hollering about universal design and how you know this door isn't set up right or mm-hmm. you know this ramp is the wrong angle or even just, you know, I don't think the right people were consulted when you built this. Like, yeah. the job that I'm at now, they just redid the elevators. But I noticed that unlike another building I was in, which was really nice, but these elevators, the speaker, like, if you needed to call someone, like, yes, they tested them and they work. But um, if you use a wheelchair, I don't think you'll be tall enough to be able to, you know, easily speak into where it'll pick you up. Yeah. Like your your audio. And I was like, well, that just mm-hmm. seems like a poor design choice. Or at my previous job when they renovated the bathrooms to be more uh, wheelchair accessible, except with the way that the door swings open, um, there's no way to get into the bathroom <laughs> if you that. use a wheelchair because yeah. of the way that it curves. It's just, it's very bad. And it was mostly because, like, the first floor bathrooms are correct and designed correctly. But then, from what I heard, allegedly, they ran out of money. And so they had to <laughs> cut course. corners. Oh, but no. I'm, I'm sure they, they, they could have taken the money from <laughs> some other departments that didn't quite need them. Wink, yeah. wink, oink, oink. <laughs> Basil, I just realized something that might be kind of important. Because I'll be the first to admit it, the majority of Schedule for Launch listeners are very white. What is African American vernacular English? And how might that differ from other versions of Homer's Odyssey that they may be familiar with? Yes. So African American vernacular English, like I was saying, it's um, Ebonics. It's as cursed as this is because it's incorrect. It's that trend of companies trying to package it all as quote unquote Gen Z slang. It's mm. it's not, you know. Yeah. Um, it's as equally cringe as when I hear white people trying to use it. It's uh, the 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 horrible usages <laughs> of it are like that uh period girl and yeah. just people just it's just it's so bad. Every year I joke that for like either Halloween or April Fools, I'm gonna go around as the like off dog and just leave bark posts on people's <laughs> tweets where they're just, you know, completely out of pocket. Like basically like Av is Av is basically like how, you know, most black people 
talk to other black people like it's it's just slang at the end of the day mm. but it, it is its own language it has its own you know structure it's its own vernacular um it's a dialect of english so yeah. you know um it's sort of like you know it's like how when people talk about like code switching like you're at work and you're talking to your white coworkers, and you'd be like oh hi susan how are you are you having a good day but then you know you see your black coworker, and you'd be like hey what's good man what's going on how's it hanging you know what's what's good with you you good are you good like that's probably like the best actually actually that's probably the best example of of is um asking someone you good or you good because that just has um, so many different connotations. And, you know, yeah. there's probably, there might be a black person who's like, hey, man, don't be giving them the recipes to stuff. But in this, just just this one example, you know, you good or you good is asking, like, you know, are you doing all right? Are you not doing all right? Is everything good? Are you really good? Or are you just trying to get through it? It can also be asking, hey, is that white person being really racist to you? <laughs> Do you need support in this moment? Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and oh, this is a funny story. So at my last job, <laughs> I, I learned about this recently. Apparently, some people say that they're out of pocket when they're unavailable. I did not know this because with off, when you say that you're out of pocket, that means, well, it means you're wiling. It means you're just you're acting up. You're acting a fool, a clown. Yeah. You're basically just being, you know, disrespectful. That's and so I always took it as. So. Yeah, so my, my last boss kept apologizing to my coworker, and she was like, was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've just been so out of pocket lately. And I had to try very hard not to laugh because my cubicle was next to hers. And so it'd be very obvious what I was laughing at. But then also because that boss was severely out of pocket, just <laughs> wildest <laughs> woman I have met in a, in a long time. But <laughs> she just... Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just, it's kind of funny. And so I was like, boy, I hope no one ever really tells her the other meaning for that. And it just ended up being real it's a funny. It's little treat. It's a special yeah. little treat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like one of the ways, like I do try to reference that in other ways. Um, one of the things I'm bad at is making monster stat blocks. And so for fun, I ended up making a monster called Boo Boo the Fool. Because that's pretty much the refrain of like, yeah, of like any sort of black mom and probably also just any mom of color, honestly. And just it, the clown had attacks like, you know, you got Faerun money or uh, my my other favorite, uh, you smelling yourself, which is, you don't, you don't, honestly, I don't, you don't hear that that much among like probably like my age bracket, like 30s. That's really more of an yeah. older black person kind of thing, because it's just like, I'm what? What? Wait. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so it's, I have it floating around somewhere on my, on one of my folders, but, because I'm still it. working at it, and I've <laughs> got to tweak it, I'm just numbers, but yeah, I was really proud of, uh, <laughs> of making that particular character <laughs> and then i think i think like the physical attack for it is like hush up and sit down or something i definitely heard friends mom say that to them so like you know you sitting over there acting like you groan yep <laughs> the constant refrain though of like you got mcdonald's money you got taco bell money you got burger king money you got panera money 
And then when you do, it's always, oh, you got it like that then? All right, matter of fact, let, let me hold on to a little bit. Let me hold on to a lick. Let me get a lick. And then it's just like, then they take they take all your money. Just all your mom, why? <laughs> My mom was notorious for doing that. I hated it. I sold candy in um, high school and was making good amount of money and I was actually going to expand out into selling sodas out of a locker my friend wasn't using but my mom just kept taking too much <laughs> which apparently I found out later was my mom's gentle way of trying to get me to stop selling candy why ah. she didn't just tell me I have no idea <laughs> she was just like I just thought this was the better option <laughs> that's amazing I I, I love it. That's so funny. And like a really good good way to talk about ebonics to this audience base for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the like the main thing to take away from Av is like if you think it's just like some fun, quirky thing that came from nowhere or a phrase that needs to die, or you know, actually if I could get on my one gripe point about um not about of but about other people's usage of of you know with among us everyone is always talking about oh that person's sus that person is sus 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 and so it's just for me personally like sus means it's it's like it's a homophobic slur fam like (laughs) yeah that's that's the wild thing yeah see that's the wild thing like if you don't know then you don't know but if you know you know and so Mm -hmm. it doesn't it you know I haven't seen it come up in a while. Like the last time I saw it was like when I was still on Tumblr and people were porting over Twitter posts where Ah. someone was complaining about people posting porn of Isabella the dog from Animal Crossing just Ah. saying like, oh man, you people are sus, you know, sus AF. And so I was like, yeah, well that, yeah. But yeah, so the fact that like, you know, there's all the, there's all the people playing among us and it's like, oh, red sus or yellow sus. And I'm just like, nah that ain't that ain't it for me like to quote somebody else i follow on twitter when they were like yeah no we playing among us but i don't do none of that sus stuff you say that you're gonna get out of my you're gonna get out of my game i don't mm-hmm. i don't have that at my game like if i if i was hosting a game of among us that would be one of my rules because i don't i don't want to hear that because it it does it just makes me think of like all those years of like people like you know other black people my dad just random people talking about oh that person's sus or that person's a sissy or just just, yeah it's it's just terrible and so Mm. every time i bring it up you know people are like oh i didn't know that and i'm like yeah or you know you've got those like sea lion people on twitter who are like oh do you have a source and at this point it's like man i'm the source shut up (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, endlessly debating people about what's racist and what's not is a waste of time. And yeah. so, you know, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, I'm not going to kick in your door and be like, hey, don't use this. You're a horrible person if you use it. I'm just saying, for me personally, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. And usually when I see it, like in Discord chats or whatever, I just scroll past it and move on. My problem is like, <laughs> like on a minor level, also when people use eight incorrectly, like for fun, I follow like the off struggle tweets, Twitter, shout out to them. Y'all rock. But <laughs> <laughs> they, um, sh- they share all these like tweets of off being used so incorrectly when ah, there was one where it's like, it's like, oh yeah, they totally ate 
I don't, I don't even know. The problem with trying to quote the struggle tweets is like my brain keeps correcting it to the correct <laughs> way to use it. Like, I think they were like, they ate her to pieces or something. I'm like, what? What? No, you, it was like, yeah, she ate and left no crumbs. Like, I don't, I don't know. You know, <laughs> like, that's just a minor thing where I'm just yeah. like, you know, I'm just like, if you're going to take the time to steal the language, you could at least pay attention. <laughs> Basil, I've just realized that pre-editing before this, we are hitting our hour mark, so we kind of got to start wrapping it up here. This has been amazing, but yeah, I have, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got I got two more questions for you. One a little bit shorter, and one I think we're gonna get a great answer from, and then then you could plug yourself. That's the last one. So, first question before we finish up here: What advice can you give to creation to start creating something but they're not sure where to start well um i actually got my <laughs> i laugh because this is gonna sound i'm not embarrassed because you know it is what it is um i got my start writing fanfic like i think my very first fanfic was a Yu-Gi-Oh fanfic oh really? gosh yeah i think <laughs> what was the I think it was Seto Kaiba in Yugi Moto. <laughs> like okay. I got I got my start writing fanfic, posting on Gaia online, um, you know, posting on forums talking about Avatar the Last Airbender. So yeah. I think I think one of the nice things of being like a nineties kid and before social media really took off, and people have talked about this on Twitter, is the fact that, you know, you can just be posting just about anything on forums and those forums are likely gone. No one remembers you. No one will remember your cringe phase. And like now it's like, oh no, we have a recording of forever. you writing, <laughs> you know, my immortal or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, even even with that, I say do it anyway, you know. Write write that self-insert story of you dating Seto Kaiba. Write that story about, you know, you you hanging out with Aizawa sensei from my hero academia like just live live your best life as best you can and just go out there and make stuff like i got my start in terms of like tabletop role playing games like i started with the write your own adventure course from the storytelling collective story co yeah. i think is their twitter yeah, handle story co yeah and that was november of 2021 and uh I could not think of a single adventure to write, but then I happened to be eating a bag of Miss Vicky's potato chips, and the description, if you, I don't know if you've read the description on the back of They're those chips. wild. It's creepy. And I <laughs> yeah. was like, that sounds like some kind of eldritch nonsense. And so yep. that's how I wrote my first D&D adventure, which I want to go back to at some point and improve because it really shows its age. But then from there, it was a series of just people taking a chance on me and letting me write these wonderfully weird stories as I'm always talking about. And then at some point I thought, hey, actually, maybe I could make my own game. Sure, I have dyscalculia, which means all the numbers move around in my head, but I'm sure someone else will notice if the math is off, AKA my sibling and kind people on Twitter. So I just sort of jumped in with very little knowledge. You know, I've played a little bit of D&D, a little bit of Pathfinder. Um, and then I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm ready to make my own games. No one's going to stop me. It's the internet, you know? Just, mm -hmm. it's like, what are you, a cop? Are you going to tell on me? <laughs> so who are you going to report me to? 
I'm just like, uh, it's, you know, we're, we're not still in the wild west of the internet, and I don't think really that ever truly existed, but I'm just like, you know, the, like as I say to people, the only, one, the only person stopping you is you. Mm-hmm. With, of course, the obvious caveat of not you, you terrible grognard who's out there trying to, like, recreate slavery or some shit in your stupid game. I'm not talking to you. I'm absolutely not talking to you other than to say you are a terrible person and that's a horrible idea. So, yes, the only person stopping you is me. I'm, I am gatekeeping. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> but, like, you know, if you want to make, like, say... um you want to make a game about uh, mice, you know, making a meal. I followed someone on Twitter um, whose Twitter handle is escaping me. I'm so sorry, friend. But uh, they made a mouse game. Uh, another person I follow on Twitter, um, Monroe, has a game that's based off Great British Bake Off called Candied Violets. You know, just whatever yeah. you want to make, you can go out there and make you it. it. You know, like there's Honey Heist is out there. You're a bear. You know, um, like I'm technically working on a board game where you're a bear trying to sleep in a house and other players are like the beleaguered human task to try to remove you. And so <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just like, just, just get weird with it. I'm into it. I love it. Basil, where can people find out more about you and your upcoming work? Yeah. So I know with Twitter being kind of gestures vaguely and everything being on fire. Um, it's a hellscape, people, but it's the hellscape you can find me in. Yes, you can You can find me on Twitter until it burns down to nothing, honestly. Like, everyone's <laughs> like, oh, I've moved to Mastodon or Hive or Inkblot or, I don't know, Bloopy Bloop or whatever. And I'm like, no, I... Like, not to sound like an elder millennial, but it's like, I'd, I, I, I'm here. I just, I, I don't want to leave. That's where I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at Kobanya. I think it's underscore Kana. I want it to be just at Kobanya, but there is still someone for years squatting on the handle. And at this point, I don't really trust being like, hey, they haven't posted since like 2013. Can I have this? I don't trust current <laughs> management. Um, I'm also yep. on Pillowfort as Kobanya. So got in, got in early on Pillow Fort. Um, it's a pretty cozy vibe. I'm also on Tumblr. I, I actually, my first social media was basically Tumblr. Um, you know, I always joke about it, but I do, I have a shit posting blog. I don't advertise <laughs> the shit posting blog anymore as I used to. But if you find it, you know, have fun. Peruse the uh, shit posts. I used to make every single day. I made a shit post a day, every day, to go live during people's lunch breaks. I, I don't know where I got the energy for that, to be honest. That's fucking wild. Yeah, there was just. I tried to schedule tweets for a week, and I was ready to just be like, I quit. <laughs> like, it was like looking back on it, I'm like, what was my output? Why was I doing this? <laughs> like, it was just, and like I think at that time too, I was also juggling being half of the team behind an ask blog for the character Krang from the 2012 version of TMNT that I shared with my sibling. So (laughs) I just, I guess my brain was not getting enough stimulation. So yeah, I'm on, I'm on Tumblr and Pillowfort as Kobanya. I'm on Twitter as at Kobanya Kana with an underscore between Kobanya and Kana. And then there is always my website, uh, tower of basil dot 
wordpress.com. Uh, possibly in the coming new year, I might finally shell out some money. So it's just Tower of Basil, but we'll see. I'm kind of I'm kind of cheap on that front because I don't really think it's that big of a deal. But for sure, um, I'm working also on a newsletter. I have made no progress on that newsletter. I've been busy with <laughs> so many other things. Um, and you can't find the newsletter on my website yet, but it'll be there once I finally have enough material so people can subscribe to it. And I think that's all the places you can find me at. Although for some reason my brain was like, you know, you're also on Candy Crush. And I'm like, Candy Crush is not a, it's not a social media <laughs> website. Not social at all. <laughs> <laughs> if you too would like to live out your 40-year-old mom vibes... <laughs> Come join my team on Candy Crush. Like, <laughs> I downloaded it to kill time, and then it's just, it's never left my phone. <laughs> As always, audience, Basil's links are going to be down in the description below. Go check out their work. Pelagos is so cool. Basil, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week to talk about both Pelagos and the Aphrodisy. This was amazing. I am. I'm glad that I could have you as the start to 2023. It's been a lot of fun. Yes, I'm very excited for what uh, 2023 has to offer. Uh, I made a tweet like earlier in October or November or so saying that, you know, I really feel like 2023 is going to be, you know, my year, the year where I really get weird with it. I'm just going to dig deep and get back into the really autistic version of myself I used to be as a kid. <laughs> super weird making e touching everything with my gay little hands <laughs> i look forward to seeing how that goes and audience thank you so much for joining us this week basil and pelagos are scheduled to launch very soon on crowdfunder so go out there check them out back this game it looks super cool the ash can is rad basil once again thank you for joining me until next time everybody though Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye! Once again, thank you so much to Basil for joining me this week on Schedule for Launch and being our first guest of 2023. It was a stellar conversation to start the year with, and aside from that one horrifying audio glitch that I could only do so much to fix, may have been one of the best ways to start. Pelogos is going to be going on Crowdfunder in February, and I'll let you know once it goes live. And hey... Thanks for joining me this year. I hope you all had a safe and wonderful holiday. There's a lot of amazing content coming down the pipeline, and once you know it, I'm hoping I can help you all out here. The tabletop gaming space is a little on edge right now due to a certain very large game changing up its licensing agreement, so we may or may not need to adjust things down the line with some episodes coming out, but I'll let you know if that happens. Thank you all so much for joining me though. 2023 is gonna be a kick-ass year for us, and I hope to have you along for the ride. So thanks for listening. We're scheduled for launch, and I hope to see you out there. Bye.